Hey, what's up, everybody? Today is Friday, January 19th, 2018. This is maybe the first show we've recorded in the new year. I'm your host, Quentin, coming to you live from the Sweet Bee Studios. We are going to talk a little bit of baseball today. Uh, many people would say that the offseason has been boring. I beg to differ. I think the offseason has been amazing. I've never been more excited for baseball to come back. Thank goodness. Please, anyone who's heard this podcast and listened to me the past few episodes can hopefully relate to my struggle of not having baseball. Um, an update. Now, well, let's start with where I'm coming from. Um, I've recently been married, so I was married on October 6th, 2017. My wife is an avid baseball fan. She loves the sport. She is the best person I know, and if this podcast ever sounds entertaining, it's probably because of her influence. She is much, much, much cooler than I am, but where I'm getting at is, right, she's an avid baseball fan, but she also watches a lot of girly shows, you know, um, like a ton, oh my gosh, a ton of HGTV, and that's what I've mostly been watching this offseason. Now, I do love Chip and Joe Gaines. They are having their fifth child, but I'm ready for baseball season to come about. I don't necessarily, like, not care about them having a fifth baby, but, like, I'm ready to, like, not watch HGTV, not watch Flip or Flop. I want no part of House Hunters, even though I've recently bought a house. Which, in our new house, there's going to be a new Sweet Bee Studios. I'll be able to have guests over. I'll be able to dial people in at midnight. It literally doesn't matter the time. But I've recently hit rock bottom in the offseason because I watched a reunion episode of The Real Housewives of New Jersey. And I can even tell you their names. There's a lot of tension with Danielle and Kim D, who's about to come back on part two of next week's reunion, which I cannot wait to watch. Baseball, please save me. Please, please, please save me. I can't watch any more Real Housewives. There's nothing on. There's nothing on. The guys on MLB Network are a little bit boring. I already know who the best third baseman is and the best second baseman is in the league. I don't need you to tell me that and dedicate an hour and a half to it. I don't need it. Baseball, please come back. Pitchers and catchers report in like 40 days or something. I'm so pumped. Um, but either way, that's about a two-minute, 30-second intro. I apologize if you've made it this far. Thank you. Um, I want to take this time to thank all of our listeners for hanging out with us during the offseason. We're getting a lot of good feedback on Facebook and on Twitter. It's been a blast interacting with everybody that's, um, you know, liked our post, shared our post, and had conversations with us on both of those social media outlets. So we thank you for your time in that. This podcast has been a blast. I'm so thankful to have a chance to do it and that a few people like it. We have 700, I think, 67 Facebook followers and like 147 friends on Twitter. And I'm so excited for that. That's so pumped. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And we are back. We've had about a three-week hiatus, and we're going to jump into what I think is humongous news. Right, right. I would say right now the biggest news is Andrew McCutcheon moving to the West Coast. On Monday, the Pirates sent their former MVP, also a top five MVP vote-getter, three other times, former eight-win player. He was sent to the Giants to join Evan Longoria, Madison Bumgarner, Buster Posey. I'm excited for it. Um, he went over there in exchange for a righty and an outfielder and a half a million in international dough. Now, it's a risky move for the team. Um, actually, it's probably a risky move for both sides, and that's what we're going to kind of unpack right now to look at maybe what the Pirates' mindset was in this move, what the Giants' mindset is in this move, and really kind of how it looks for both teams, you know? Um, 
I do want to start with the Pittsburgh Pirates and them moving Andrew McCutcheon. This is a guy that's meant a lot to the city. You know, it was a big deal when Giancarlo Stanton moved from Miami. And I think this is probably even more of a big deal. Baseball's been relevant again in the Steel City for the past few years. And Andrew McCutcheon's a big part of that. And now this guy that really helped build up your franchise, you've sent him off for a little bit of dough and a couple uh, couple prospects, you know? Um, so I'm going to answer a few questions around that. You know, I can tell you this, where the risk comes in for the Pittsburgh Pirates is, you know, it's the owners and the staff of the Pittsburgh Pirates are asking a lot of their fans. Um, they're asking for a lot of faith from their fans. And this is a fan base that I think has already been in a vulnerable state. I think there has to be some question here as to whether or not this team should have sold and started selling goods away. You know, if you look at the NL Central last season, it was up for grabs for three teams and it wasn't up for grabs for the Pittsburgh Pirates. But you had guys like Garrett Cole. He had an off year. Mark Melanson was dealt. Um, so it's not that this team was bad, but I know the moves that the Pirates are making has a lot to do with age. Andrew McCutcheon, if he's not 31, he's about to be 31. And to rewind a little bit where I get back with the team being in a vulnerable state is I, I believe, you know, I, I don't live in the market, but I believe there's been some criticism from the fans in regards to the unwillingness of the Pittsburgh Pirates to spend money, right? This is a team that, you know, you look at Starling Marte, Josh Harrison, Garrett Cole, Mark Melanson. Then they've got like guys like Jamison Tyon coming up in the ranks. And then, yeah, he had testicular cancer, I believe, last season. He could have a big 2018. Then they've got another rookie pitcher. I can't remember his name, but... I can Google it in a second. They've got some top pitching prospects in there, but this is a team that's possibly has some beef with the fans. ESPN published an article that fans were signing a petition for Bob Nutting, the owner of the team, to resign. I think they're a little upset because he's not spending money and he's selling the team off. And this does resemble a little bit of maybe what the Marlins are doing. Okay, so my opinion on the Florida Marlins... I don't know if this question is asked enough, but one could ask in half a case if the Miami Marlins actually needed to sell off, okay? The Miami Marlins last year probably had the best outfield in all of baseball with your MVP in right, Marcelo Zuna in left, and an excellent Christian Yelich, who if the Marlins are really serious about rebuilding and not just stuffing money into their shareholders' pockets, they would absolutely trade Christian Yelich. Christian Yelich, because he's likely the person that's going to garner the most interest and is probably going to have the highest return when you deal him. He is such a valuable player. He's so young and has a friendly contract. You are listening to The Greatest Show on Dirt. Thank you for taking the time. And what you've got is... My apologies. I only did that introduction because I had a cough. I'm battling a cold, guys. I'm getting over it. But Christian Yelich... Garner a lot of interest. He's going to bring a lot of value back. But needless to say, my point is this. Did the Marlins really need to sell off? I'm at a hard no that the Marlins did not need to rebuild and that the Marlins did not need to sell off. Okay? 
One, and I would say the Miami Marlins' most popular fan at this point, not the Marlins, man, but Dan Lebitard. If you've listened to the Dan Lebitard interview with him and Rob Manford, there's a lot of passion in Dan Lebitard's voice, and I, I feel like he's a voice for the Miami Marlins fan base, and the things that he said, they made perfect sense. The Miami Marlins, the owner group that came in to buy this team, Derek Jeter included, they've bought the team, and their business plan is real questionable, and that's what Dan Lebitard was questioning. Okay, and essentially what they've done is they're coming in, they're selling off the entire team, and what they're doing is they're telling fans that this is part of the rebuild. And it's really easy to get away with it, or so you would think at this point, because selling off your team low payroll tanking, as a lot of people call it, well, you your last two World Series champions with the Chicago Cubs and the Houston Astros did a great job of it. They both won World Series titles. You can't argue that. But with the Miami Marlins, you're not dealing with a normal fan base. You're dealing with a fan base that's been wronged. Okay, one of Rob Manfred's key statements in his Dan Lebitard interview was that a lot of fan bases would love to have two World Series titles since 1997, and I get that. A lot of them would. Okay, you're talking to a Cubs fan, but also, I mean, there are Red Sox fans out there that struggled with this forever. You've got Cleveland Indians fans, generations of them, that want nothing more than to win a World Series title and enjoy it with their grandparents and their parents, okay? That's a huge deal, and I get that. But with the Marlins, when the in-between hurts so bad, and you've asked taxpayers of Miami-Dade County to make such a huge investment on Marlins Park, billion-dollar stadium, you should handle it differently, right? I mean, that makes perfect sense because... You know, even Derek Jeter has been quoted as saying, that's not my job when it comes to communicating with players as far as like what their process is when they come in. Derek Jeter says that's not his job. That's traditionally not what his role does. But there is a human aspect to what baseball teams are doing right now that I think they're sweeping under the rug, okay? Derek Jeter, I get that certain things might not be your job, but you're dealing with a franchise that is in disarray. There's a lot of damage and there's a lot of confusion both inside the clubhouse and in the community. And things should be handled with a human element. Hands down, the Miami Marlins did not need to sell off. They needed to add pitching. And when it comes to the Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh Pirates, I don't care what the front office says. I don't care what the data says. There is a human element to this game. And if you're going to build a championship team, a real contender, at the sacrifice of your fan base, in no situation is that ever worth it. It's not. There is fan disappointment out there with sending Andrew McCutcheon three time zones away in the case of a rebuild when I don't care how good the Chicago Cubs did in 2016, I do not care the track record and the history and the success that comes with the St. Louis Cardinals franchise, and I do not care what prospects the Milwaukee Brewers had or how good Joey Votto can hit a baseball. 
the 2016 season and the 2017 season for the Pittsburgh Pirates wasn't good. Stuff happened. There were human elements. Garrett Cole dealt with injuries, okay? Starling Marte failed to drug test. Stuff happens. But did they need to sell off? Did they need to sell off? Did the Pirates need to send Andrew McCutcheon out west for two prospects? Did the Pirates need to deal Mark Melanson in 2016 because things weren't looking good? Or was this a team that still had pieces? You know, data's great to use. But just because a guy hits 30 does not mean that he cannot produce. And you've now, the Pittsburgh Pirates have dealt a former seven to eight win player, MVP, who I believe is on the uptake again. His defense upticked last year. And his offense upticked last year. But because he's 30, you send him away. And on top of that, you sacrifice your fan base for it. This is a guy that's loved. Andrew McCutcheon made baseball loved again in Pittsburgh. The human element needs to be paid attention to more in Major League Baseball than what's happening. What's happening? Great move for the San Francisco Giants. Very risky move for the Pittsburgh Pirates. I believe, and what makes me most nervous about baseball, and Rob Manfred wants to improve the game, I believe so. He's got pace of play initiatives in place, which we'll talk about, if not on this podcast, the one I'll record later this weekend. But I believe fan disappointment, fan morale, it's not being taken into account like it is. Things are getting swept under the rug because we're going to rebuild. But are we rebuilding? You know, Jeff Passan wrote an article, and you've probably heard this five times now that you need to read his article titled, The Economic System in Baseball is Broken. I think that is what it's titled. And there are a lot of issues with the luxury tax being treated as a hard cap. Free agents not being pursued like they are. Teams rebuilding. Are teams rebuilding to win? Or are teams rebuilding to make money? There's a lot of questions out there right now. And I can point to those questions. And I can point to teams like the Pittsburgh Pirates and the Miami Marlins. I can wonder, you know, are we on board with this trade? Are the teams acting in good faith in regards to the fans? I'm not too sure that they are. I can tell you this. I don't think the Pittsburgh Pirates needed to rebuild. I think if they had kept their core pieces in place, they could be up for the division this year fortify a bullpen and get up to it but from the pirate side i don't think it's a good idea from the pirates from a front office standpoint okay now the giants now i want to jump into a lot more of this so i'm going to record these podcast episodes i'm going to do them more often and i'm going to split them up into parts so ideally instead of me giving you like a 50 minute chunk I'm going to do like a few 20-minute episodes, and I will title them accordingly so you'll know what you're listening to. And if you want to listen to 20 minutes on Andrew McCutcheon, you'll be able to click and listen. Or if you're a Giants fan and you want to listen to 20 minutes on McCutcheon on the Giants, you'll be able to do so. Now I'm going to jump into McCutcheon and the San Francisco Giants. Now, I've already answered 
the Pittsburgh Pirates, I don't think they needed to rebuild. I think it was premature for all the reasons that I've said. It's just like the Marlins. I don't think they really had to deal these guys. I think 30-plus can be productive. But the narrative in baseball right now, the definition of how we're building teams is 30 is unproductive, which is why you've got free agents on the market, J.D. Martinez. J.D. Martinez hit home runs at a greater rate than Giancarlo Stanton last year. J.D. Martinez should be wearing a Boston Red Sox uniform right now. I question, and this is the point I'm trying to make, this is my concern with the game that I love more than anything, is, is it winning or is it profit? Okay, the New York Yankees have made a lot of phenomenal moves over the past year. Most recent one being your 59 home run, Giancarlo Stanton. The guy that is probably going to get a job with NASA after he retires because Giancarlo Stanton has figured out how to send baseballs to outer space. So if you want to like do any sort of testing with this guy, well, he can, he can do a lot of that. You know, If you need to send stuff to outer space, give the guy a, you know, a 34-inch, 32-ounce bat and let him do the job. Um, I mean, he can do it. So if you're the Red Sox and you're the Red Sox fans, right? How MLB Network's going to start showing spring training games like at late February, mid-February. We're not that far off. Why is J.D. Martinez sitting at home saying he'll set out part of spring training? Is J.D. Martinez, the guy Jeff Passan talked about, who said he was prepared to sit till midseason to get his worth? Maybe a team needs to be in a pennant chase? Boston Red Sox are in a pennant chase right now. We haven't started this season. Game one of 162 has not been played. Boston Red Sox are in a pennant chase. New York Yankees just got Giancarlo Stanton. They're two and three hitters, hit more home runs almost than your whole entire damn team. And you haven't signed J.D. Martinez yet? And you offered J.D. Martinez five years at $100 million? That's what you've just done. You want to go buy a slugger at Walmart? That's what you want to do? Go pick up Logan Morrison then, man. But five years at $100 million because your data tells you that a 31-year-old guy you're, uh, the thirty-one-year-old guy is not worth signing? It's ridiculous. So that's where that's a lot of my concern comes in right now is do you want to win or are you just more concerned about your money? This luxury tax, it ain't as detrimental as what you think it is. Jeff Passan in his article, I believe it was Jeff Passan's article, um talked about how if the Los Angeles Dodgers took their payroll to $247 million and what that would cost them in luxury tax money over like some sort of span of time, spending more on their luxury tax isn't as bad as what it is. And this number quoted in this article was it would cost them $12 million. $12 million for you realize that all the major league baseball teams now are making more money than they ever have. Teams are making more money than they ever have. You're talking TV deals, revenue sharing. I don't care if you're a big market team, you got to pay luxury tax. You're filling seats and making more money than ever. You're telling me $12 million isn't worth it to sign JD Martinez cuz your pennant race is starting right now. Don't do this to the fans. Don't do it because the data doesn't say to do it or because when JD Martinez is 35 years old, he might not produce as well as he does when he's 30, well, no kidding, he's not gonna, right? These things happen. But that's the cost of the player. Like, if you want to win right now, 
You've got to sign J.D. Martinez for more than five years and $100 million. And if he does not produce at 35 or 36, that's the cost of doing business and the cost of winning. Is winning not as important as payroll? Is winning not as important as you making money and buying a yacht? It sure doesn't look like it is in Miami. It sure doesn't look like it is in Pittsburgh. And it sure doesn't look like it is in Boston. I don't care what their history says. Things are changing in baseball. And this luxury tax, it's being treated as a hard cap. I'm getting text messages, sorry. The luxury tax is being treated as a hard cap. It does not need to be. Teams can afford to go over the luxury tax. They're using it as an excuse. I've read legal collusion in some places. I have. Um, I hope, I hope, I hope that these free agents start to sign because they deserve to be signed and they can still contribute and teams need to do it. If you're the Los Angeles Angels, if I'm an Angels fan, which actually I think at this point my number two team I'm watching all year that I'm interested to watch is the Los Angeles Angels. I love Mike Trout. I want to see Mike Trout play in the postseason more than anything. More than anything, I want Mike Trout to be up to bat and that lumber that he's swinging, that dangerous bat, I want to see him hit a high fastball for extra bases or over the home run when his team needs him. I want to see that. And the Los Angeles Angels are making moves. But they've made some trades, and they've made some affordable deals. But why aren't the Angels going after a guy like Jake Arrieta? We all know, and I get I read an article yesterday, um, SB Nation um, for the Los Angeles Angels, that says the LA Angels bullpen is going to be a lot better than what you think it is. It's looking good. But the article also said they've already added a starter, so what's next? Well, you've added one starter who has a partially torn UCL, and we don't know what's going to happen with him, right? There's some problems. He got a PRP injection. That's a plasma, something, I forgot what it stands for, PRP injection. And it's supposed to help with that elbow problem. So that's not enough pitching to add. If I'm an LA Angels fan and... I know, you know, the Mike Trout's going to be a free agent. The Los Angeles Angels have Mike Trout for three more full seasons. Why not go after a guy like Jake Arrieta? You know Jake Arrieta's got three good in him. He might not have six good in him if you sign him to a six-year deal. But if Jake Arrieta's got three good years in him, and you're the Los Angeles Angels, and you include Jake Arrieta and all those pieces, yeah, you're going to go over the luxury tax, but you've got three good years of a pretty damn good team that could make the wild card all three of those years. I think the Los Angeles Angels could make the playoffs probably right now. If they have a guy like Jake Arrieta, who I get has had ups and downs, but it's only when it comes to control. He's healthy. The man is healthy, and the man can pitch in the playoffs. And we know that ain't easy to find, okay? Your best pitcher in Major League Baseball, Clayton Kershaw, Cannot pitch in the postseason. David Price, your $200 million man in Boston, cannot pitch in the postseason. They're not worth anything when you need them most. But Jake Arrieta, he'll do it. He'll get it done. His postseason numbers are good. Why isn't Jake Arrieta, why doesn't he have a job? He should have a job. But Major League Baseball is being hard on the 30-year-olds. And it's wrong. It's wrong. I like the move that the San Francisco Giants just made, right? Let's ask that question right now. Is this good for the Giants? Okay. I'm going to give you some Andrew McCutcheon stats after the break. You are, we are on minute 23. You are listening to The Greatest Show on Dirt. I am back. 
You are listening to The Greatest Show on Dirt. We uh, we skipped over that commercial break. We're running commercial-free today as a courtesy to our fan base. Okay, I'm going to be honest. We don't have any sponsors. There are no commercials. I had to get up and blow up my nose and get a drink of water. I've got cold. It's killing me. The Giants, okay? Is this good for the Giants? Look at – this is Andrew McCutcheon's 2017. He had 279. His OPS was 849. Okay, so that's a 45 slugging, 363 on base. Those were improvements. I think sharp improvements from 2016. Okay, that's 2.5, a two and a half. Uh, yeah, two and a half wins. Okay, it's far cry from a seven win season, but it's a productive guy. His offense is on the uptick, like I've said. His um, defensive war. Now, there's been a lot of talk about his defense. Okay, so his defense in center field suffered. We know that when he goes to San Francisco. He's not going to play center field. He's going to play right field. He's excited about playing right field. I love Andrew McCutcheon's attitude. That's why I think this is such a valuable guy. You've got to look at the intangibles of these players, and Andrew McCutcheon has so many intangibles for a clubhouse. His attitude, his personality, what he brings to a dugout, what he can do to young players coming up. Hell, the influence he can have on guys older than him. Andrew McCutcheon is that guy. Andrew McCutcheon is a face in baseball that I love to see. They don't make him like him, but they made him, and thank God we got him. Th- you know what? In San Francisco, they're lucky to have him. They really are, man. That's a good guy they can have. His defensive war, per the good guys at baseball reference, last season is what it was in 2014. He finished third in MVP voting. All right, so what's that tell me right there? That tells me his defense, it's, it's not great, but it's getting better, right? And when I say it's getting better, when his defensive war looks similar to what it did in 2014 when he finished third in the MVP, what was lacking last year was offense. But his offense is getting better. He's coming back. And that's not crazy to say that from the age of 23 to 30 that you might not have to make some adjustments. We know the game has changed. Ball's different. Pitchers are throwing harder than ever. Andrew McCutcheon was an eight-win player in 2015 or something like that, okay? He is an excellent baseball player, top tier on that level, going straight to the Hall of Fame. That's what this guy is, okay? You know pitchers have got to be approaching him differently, Is it crazy to think that he might not have to make adjustment and figure something out at some point? So take that uptick in offense plus a manageable defense plus him not having to play center field. If the San Francisco Giants can, at this point, the Giants need to pick up a really good center fielder. Andrew McCutcheon's going to be fine and right at that point. With the uptick in offense going up, and him making the adjustments he needs to because Lord knows he's getting approached differently by pitchers. They're sending him different stuff to the plate. Guy's going to have problems, okay? I love it for San Francisco. San Francisco, obviously, unless you've been under a rock, they're old. And the two guys they've got this year, Evan Longoria and Andrew McCutcheon, they're in their 30s. That's like 75 in baseball years or so, people say, but I don't buy it. I don't buy it at all. These are great moves for them. With his attitude and his uptick and where you need it, I love it. Now this, this is what I like. If if there was a stat and somehow someone out there could give us a change of scenery war, 
right? Like, what does a change of scenery do to a player? Right, in Andrew McCutcheon's case, I think it's going to do a lot. Oh, I, I really believe so. Things were bumpy in Pittsburgh last couple of years, I'd say, for Kutch. Right? The change of scenery. Ask yourself this. Could the change of scenery bring us, bring San Francisco fans the Andrew McCutcheon that the baseball world has once seen? Like, can, we, can you get a five-win guy out of Andrew McCutcheon from this change of scenery? 100% absolutely for everything I've just said. The defense and offense is getting better. But that change of scenery, listen, he was going to get replaced in center field by Starling Marte, and it didn't sound like Pittsburgh was treating him that well. I mean, if you've watched baseball the last two years, you know it. Putting him on the trade block, bringing him back, shoving him out in right field. Then the guy that replaces him fails a drug test for steroids? For DECA? That's a Jose Canseco steroid. That's not an over-the-counter GNC. I took a male hormone. No. That's a real-life steroid, guys. He's going to come into, when you talk about change of scenery, and if there was a change of scenery war, Andrew McCutcheon's got something to prove. And if I'm putting money on that guy, I'm putting it on him improving. And in 2018, he's going to be at least a four-win player. Right, If Andrew McCutcheon is a four-win player, you'll see something like the Andrew McCutcheon of 2010 when he was still young. You can get that. This is a baseball guy. He's going to make adjustments. And now I feel like at this point, the change of scenery and the excitement and him just being not where he was. I mean, could you imagine your team kind of throwing you under the bus brushing you to the side as soon as you get close to 30 and have a little bit of a hard time because you were an MVP, but now you're probably getting attacked differently and you're slower to like adjust. Like it's difficult to adjust. And then they're so quick to shove you aside. And then the guy that replaces you is taking steroids. And then he gets caught when you're a guy that's playing the game, right? That can't feel good. But now he's going to a team that believes in him. That's been a winning franchise recently, and I applaud the San Francisco Giants for what they're doing because I feel like they're trying to win, and the San Francisco Giants are taking care of their fans. They could sell guys off. They could dump Cueto. They could send Madison Bumgarner out, Posey, whatever. They've got guys they could sell and get a lot of heavy prospects in return. But what are they doing? They're doing something that no other Major League Baseball team is doing right now and would be scorned if they did. They're signing 30-year-olds. They're playing their 30-year-olds. And by God, I hope they win. And I'm telling you right now, they could do it. Are the San Francisco Giants a postseason team? Yes. The San Francisco Giants are a postseason team. And they probably won't win their division They'll be in a wild card next year. The San Francisco Giants will. I wouldn't be surprised if the San Francisco Giants are trying to buy at the deadline. I applaud the San Francisco Giants for what they're doing. They're taking care of their fans. They're not tanking because they've got something in the tank, just like what the Marlins had and just like what the Pirates had. They've got something in the tank, and they're not selling off. Good for them and good for their fans. I'm happy they're doing that. I'm happy they're doing it. 
They're not looking back at the data. They're looking at the human element going, we got Madison Bumgarner and Buster Posey on this team. If we have these two guys on this team, we know we can go somewhere. Johnny Cueto can pitch. He had a bad year. Mark Melanson, go to baseball reference and look at his numbers. They've been good his whole career. Right? We're not ready to cash out on that guy yet, just like other teams do. When your guy's not doing good, then you trade him for four prospects, and you don't get what he's worth because he had a bad year. Right? Jeff Samarja is a phenomenal athlete. Played Notre Dame with Calvin Johnson. Phenomenal athlete. Hunter Pence, he's a ball player. These guys can do it. I'm happy the Giants are doing what they're doing. We're going to conclude this episode, 32 Minutes, The Greatest Show on Dirt. We'll update part two probably later today or tomorrow, but thank you for listening. We will continue on part two to talk about some free agency stuff, some moves, probably Wilson Contreras and the Yadier Molina catching triangle. Um, But we'll get back to that soon. Thanks for listening to The Greatest Show Under, and we will talk to you soon.